Ready to talk Oklahoma State Cowboy football and basketball. I'm Garen Emig of the Tulsa World. I'm a columnist. With me on the uh, on the Zoom slash podcast is Eli Letterman, the beat writer who covers the Cowboys based out of Stillwater. You can catch us uh, weekly uh, on at TulsaWorld.com doing the video version of this. You can also find this uh, where you find your, uh, your podcasts, your uh, podcast listing. We'll have more details specific to that as we move forward, but we appreciate you tuning in however you choose to do so. That's the, that's the gist of the message. Eli, you wrote for the Tulsa World today a, an update of sorts on the Oklahoma State, I'd say roster, but it really focused on three areas of, of potential attrition uh, concerning next season. So let's, let's start there. What, to what are they and then how serious are we talking about in terms of attrition? Yeah, so today is what? It's Friday morning. Tomorrow will be two weeks from, from the Fiesta Bowl. Feels like a lot longer, right? Camelback doesn't feel so distant in the memory of <laughs> our, our time in Arizona, but uh, we're two weeks from there. And obviously at the end of every college football season, you know there's going to be change. Coaching staff changes. It's players who graduate run out of eligibility. But now in the, the era of the, the transfer portal, there's even more movement. And so if I've got my numbers right, it's eight scholarship players from Oklahoma State have entered the portal since, since the Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. Five guys who had the ability to come back um, next season, had eligibility, have declared for the draft. And then with them are your Malcolm Rodriguez's, your Devin Harper's, your Jalen Warren's, the guys who had no opportunity to come back. They'll, they'll also probably be exploring their, their pro potential. Uh, and that leaves Oklahoma State, as things stand right now, about two weeks after the end of the season, with, with, with three real trouble spots on the depth chart. And I, I hit on those in, in the Tulsa world today. And that's the secondary, the offensive line, and, and then that running backs room that no longer has uh, a Jalen Warren. What's more, what's what's most serious? Uh, I, usually, you'd say running back because that's the that's the position with the ball more yeah. than the offensive line, who's blocking for the running backs or any position on defense. But given a OSU's inconsistency on the O line and B the strength, obviously, of the Cowboys' defense a year ago. There may be as many fans who turn their attention to those two spots as they do running back. I would start with the secondary, and that to me is going to be maybe the most interesting spot to look at. Um, you know, and it will be probably remaining that way into the early weeks of next season. Mm-hmm. Offensive line every year there tends to be something to figure out. There's a handful of schools in the country who are lucky enough to go into a season, you know, with five guys that are confident in, or, or maybe a sixth is depth. But we'll, we'll start with the secondary. Um, so Christian Holmes, uh, who, who emerged as kind of that second cornerback this year and was really successful, he's gone, no more eligibility. Jar Bernard Converse might be the one holdover. He hasn't um, declared either way, and that's his intention, but maybe the, the fact that we still haven't heard is an indication he will be back. But the real hit um, is at safety. Yeah. So this year you had, you really had four starting level safeties. It started with Trey Sterling. Colby Harvell Peel and, and Tanner McAllister. And then through injury, Jason Taylor emerges that playmaker who, who just had a knack for getting his hands on the ball, whether he's on special teams or, or playing at safety. And he's probably the only one who, who will be back because Tanner McAllister is, is off to Ohio State, um, reuniting with Jim Knowles. And uh, Trey Sterling and Colby Harvell Peel are, are headed to the NFL draft. And that leaves Oklahoma State with a real hole in the secondary. And, and we know that next year they come back with most of that pass rush from, from what was the best uh, pass rush in the nation this year. Yeah. Brock Martin will, will be back. Colin Oliver, uh, Trace Ford would be the guy to add to that group. And that makes them scary. But the back end is a real mystery. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, and if I'm not mistaken, this, that, again, I'm, 
when you're trying to track free agency day week weeks and days get skewed yeah. but was was it was it not this week where Israel Antoine declared yeah. his intention to to turn pro speaking yeah. of the D line there yeah and not to sort of jump away from what we were talking about but I, I think the interior of that D line is actually maybe that fourth trouble spot because you've had Jaden Jernigan leave and Israel right. Antoine and, and that's two of your top three tacklers on the interior of the defensive line and we, we think Brendan Evers is going to be back and um, I mean, you wrote this week about Jackson Player, the Tulsa transfer, and sounded like OSU was maybe in the running, might not be among the front runners if, if you read some reports elsewhere, but that's another hole. Uh, but as it relates to the secondary and to the safeties group, it's kind of interesting. You've got, I guess, two factions you could look at to fill those roles. If, if we assume Jason Taylor is one of those start, one of the three starting safeties, yeah. these two spots. Um, Thomas Harper would, would probably be one of my front runners. Uh, it's Devin Harper's brother who right. he did pretty heavily in the rotation this year. Uh, he was in a sling and didn't play in, in the Fiesta Bowl, but he would seem a, a likely choice. And, and then behind him, Sean Michael Flanagan's a guy who's played. Kanayan Williams is the special team's ace. Um, and I don't quite know how he translates into, into the secondary and into that role, but um, he would be a guy to, to watch. And then probably the thing that most fans would be more excited about, because it's always exciting to be excited about guys you haven't seen, uh, are the young guys. Uh, right. Kendall Daniels, the Beggs product, uh, who, who people were really excited about coming, he he would probably be the guy if you wanted to, to look at. Uh, he'll be a sophomore, young guy who hasn't played yet, who could maybe factor in, at least in that rotation. I don't know if he'll be starting week one against Central Michigan, but he could be a guy. And then behind him, there's there's Lyric Rawls, there's Ty Williams and, and Nick Session. So there's, there's plenty of options. Um, at, at safety, the question, and, and I just don't know how anyone could predict it, can they bring a production that, you know, two NFL caliber safeties and a guy who's now off at Ohio State was, was given them this year? You could almost say the same at running back, can you not? Because there are some intriguing uh, talents, let's, let's use that word, prospects maybe, who, who Mike Gundy has recruited and, along with Casey Dunn and John Wozniak into the program. But until you see it, you just don't know it. And so that leaves without Warren and L.D. Brown and Desmond Jackson, that leaves you with Dominic Richardson in terms of proven yeah. Ball, ball carrying production, but again, in the wings, the potential is there for for there for there not to be as, as much let off as would appear. It seems. Yeah, I mean, I've probably written written this number into the ground, and we'll continue to write it into the ground all the way until you know the kickoff next year. But between Jalen Warren, LD Brown, and Des Jackson, that's pretty much eighty percent of the handoffs to, to OSU running backs. Uh, Jalen Warren was at like 61%. So he takes up a big bulk of that. And he's the, right. obviously the, the, ma the major loss, but it leaves them um, not only without maybe their, their obviously their top carrier, but um, just without veteran experience and depth. He's been, at this point, it's, it's Dominic Richardson, who it's worth pointing out that every opportunity he's gotten, every time he's carried, you know, 10 or more times in a game over his, his two years in Stillwater, he's been productive. And, and right. so as, as things stand now with, with no transfer addition, He's your guy. Um, and behind him would be Jaden Nixon, who really got a few opportunities in, in the blowouts. His big moment came against TCU with the 63-yard carry, and he flashed his speed. And between those two running backs, you've got a bit of a, you know, a salt and pepper maybe, where Dom Richardson is the physical guy and Jaden Nixon is the shifty speed back. Um, but after them, it's, it's, there's, there's essentially no experience. Um, and, and so it's either going to be looking to the transfer portal – Oklahoma State already has an offer to uh, Nate Pete, who is uh, Stanford's leading rusher. And there's plenty of, of, of backs in the portal. And it seems like every day 
a power five running back is entering the transfer portal. So there could be maybe that nice Jalen Warren there. But beyond that, you've got two running backs. And again, we talk about young guys to be excited about. Ollie Gordon uh, at a Ulysses, Texas, and then Beggs' C.J. Brown, uh, two four-stars. They're kind of two of the headliners in this recruiting class. And Mike Gundy said it the day after the Fiesta Bowl that it's been a while, but this that they're used to having to get a freshman ready to, to maybe be that third back. And, and maybe one of those guys is ready. Um, I think physically Ollie Gordon might be the one he's already up around 200 and 230 pounds at 18 years old. Um, and I, I believe, I, I know CJ Brown is already on campus as an early enrollee and that that'll certainly help him, especially coming up from two, a football to power five division one football. Right. Um, but if Ollie Gordon's here too, there's no doubt he'll be bigger come the fall and, and one of those two guys is, is likely at least going to get the chance to prove that they can be it. And, and that should be exciting for, for folks to watch. In terms of perspective, Eli, this, this, uh, this sort of wave of, of, again, for lack of a better word, attrition, whether it's guys turning pro, whether it's guys transferring for, for other opportunities, it's a little, it runs counter to what Mike Gundy has avoided up to this point, right? And that is, that is an exodus of players. Uh, up, up till this offseason, He's sort of been the exception in the, in the transfer portal era for however long it's been in terms of hanging on to players and, and keeping them in the, in, the, in the organization and the culture. Those are two of his buzzwords. And so there may, that might set off a few alarms among OSU's fan base. I would caution you not to, get, not to overreact, remind you that this is, the, this is the, the normal moving forward for everybody. And if you want proof of that, take what's going on at Alabama team that just just finished as the runner-up to Georgia in the national championship game. The standard, you know, obviously the, the standard bearer for the for FBS, for, for all of college football. I think Nick Saban lost nearly 10 players, has, has lost nearly 10 players since he lost to Georgia Monday night. What I'm saying is this is not a sign that there are cracks in, the, in, in, Mike's, uh, in Mike Gundy's culture. This isn't a sign of discontent. This is a sign of how things go now. Uh, for for any coach anywhere, I, I, I would say. And uh, if if you have a, if you have a counter to that or a, a statement to add to that, go ahead. Man, you think Saban's lost it? I, I think it's <laughs> over. <for me. laughs> yeah, I, I think sign of the times. I don't know where. So if it's eight scholarship players for OSU in the portal, I don't know. You know where that compares to the to the teams who have lost the most or right. held on to just about everybody. But I, I think it is just the modern realities that. A number like eight, eight players leaving at the end of a season on a roster, um, if you include walk-ons and everybody else, it's over 100 players, I think is, is maybe just that new norm. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, you, you saw, um, you know, the top, the top eight players on the team leaving. Those right, right. And it's not a mass exodus. Um, it's, you know, a few offensive linemen, three offensive linemen who essentially were just leaving to pursue other opportunities. Um, you know, Tanner McAllister is one that I think was was one of the surprises. And, and same with Jaden Jernigan. Jaden Jernigan went out and he spoke to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and just said, I wanted a chance to be the guy. And who could blame right. him on a, on a pretty deep uh, defensive line? Tanner McAllister, we haven't heard from, but if, if he's got a good relationship with Jim Knowles and he says, hey, come to Ohio State, can't blame him much either. So I think it's, it's in these next few years, we're going to see programs that, that lose more and less. And it's still about, I think, evaluating the individual case, case by case. And unless it's an offseason where we see 25 guys go and then you start to wonder 
what's up is or are there cracks but in this case I, I think as we laid out I mean Desmond Jackson's the next one I, I think for him it's he's got one year of eligibility remaining let's let's see where I can maybe do that and whether it's at a different level or another school get more opportunities and I think for each of these guys if, if you sat down and talked to them there'd be individual personal decisions there and, and that's I think for all the, the warts the modern beauty of the portal yeah the week also brought a little a little bit of, of staff attrition, right? Reports yeah. popping up that uh, a couple of sort of behind the scenes guys, but very important guys to what Oklahoma State accomplished defensively with Jim Knowles are, are, are reuniting with Jim Knowles. Yeah, so you've got Michael Hunter, who's a former Cowboy who was on staff. Uh, and then Coy McFarland is, is probably the name people would know a little bit more about and came to know over the month of December after Jim Knowles left because he was – uh, a defensive assistant who was working with the linebackers. And then Jim Knowles headed off to Ohio State, and he was uh, the one working with the linebackers in the Fiesta Bowl prep. And, man, if you spoke to Mike Gundy or uh, Joe Bob Clements or any of the players, they all spoke really highly of him. And and so it, it certainly is a loss. I think um, there's, there's a balance here of overreaction. Uh, you know, I wonder among the fan base if, if Coy McFarland was going to Michigan and Michael Hunter was going to UCLA. Yeah, would even bat an eye. Obviously, there's the connection to Jim Knowles and, you know, every conflation you want to make there about, I mean, some folks have talked about ethics and we're talking about college football here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go yeah, you talk about a slippery slope. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think, you know, they, they are um, losses. And I, I think, you know, maybe specifically with Coy McFarland, I don't know what his, uh, his role is going to be at Ohio State exactly. Um, but there's a bit of a kind of a backlog for, for Mike Gundy is that whatever he chooses to do at, uh, at defensive coordinator, that, that guy's going to likely have a position group. And it, maybe he's promoting from within, so it'll be Joe Bob Clements who still has his role in the D-line or Tim Duffy or Dan Hammerschmidt in the secondary. But if he hires from the outside, he's probably going to assign that person, you'd assume, logically, to the linebackers. And so there might not have been that role as a linebackers coach for, for Coy McFarland ahead. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe this is some indication of that, um, that it's not going to be, that, that Mike Gundy's staff is remaining in place and there's going to be someone coming in. Um, but yeah, a little, little turnover. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. You know, Mike Gundy had some, some of his veiled digs over the course of the Fiesta Bowl prep uh, to see what he says when, when asked about, about those two guys leaving and, and particularly where they went. Uh, I don't suppose Gundy's going to name a coordinator by the time we finish this podcast or – Video or whatever we're calling it. Let's hope not. Uh, if if with our luck this year between the OU stuff and everything else, it'll be like six thirty today. We'll all be <laughs> finishing up the week, sitting down, trying to relax and enjoy our weekend, and then we'll be writing about a D coordinator. Right. Uh, <laughs> you hear anything this week, one it's way or the other? No. Radio silent. It really yeah. has been. I mean, asking around, it's it's just sort of been what it is. I, I do wonder if, if the fact that it's now two weeks from, from the Fiesta Bowl, if, it, if that's, again, an indication that Mike Gundy's asking around places and not just looking to his own staff. Um, but, you know, whether any of his own assistants were going to be top of the list or if they were going to be fallbacks if the interview process, um, you know, didn't pan out, it's really unclear. But you, you are seeing other staffs around the country filling out uh, mm -hmm. and either – defensive coordinators from other programs making steps up to power five programs like Oklahoma States or, or assistants getting promoted yeah. elsewhere. Um, other, other programs are making hires and, and we're just waiting to see here in Stillwater. 
All right. So basketball, um, I guess we got to. Yep. We, we figured this was well, look, we figured this was going to be a, a difficult week just in terms of the, 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 the itinerary for this for this team going to, from Morgantown to, to Lubbock to Waco and, and playing uh, three games in a, in a really tight span with a lot of miles logged between those those games. But you still had hoped, I think, to see a little bit more, I guess, fight from OSU or more uh, a competitive, maybe more of a competitive nature to, to the first two games of this road trip at Morgantown on Tuesday and then uh, last night in, in Lubbock. And uh, man, I, it's, again, this early in any season, you don't want to paint too big, too bleak of a picture, Eli, but goodness, you got Baylor tomorrow, uh, a team that just lost to Tech and probably isn't going to be in the mood to lose again. And uh, and you say you get a break in the in the Big Twelve and you play TCU. I, I suppose that's the case. That's the Cowboys' home game when, next Wednesday. But uh, it, it still it still leaves you curious as to uh, as to where this season is headed. Yeah, I think there's sort of like two minds here to to look at this. Last night, post game, Mike Boynton gave a lot of credit to Texas Tech, and I think that's correct. I mean, Texas mm-hmm. Tech may be playing; they might be the hottest team in college basketball. They've knocked off Kansas and Baylor in the last week. Uh, and, and so if you kind of just take what Mike Boynton said there and look at, yeah, West Virginia too, Baylor tomorrow, this has not been an easy run by any stretch of the imagination. And, and if the Cowboys don't pull off the upset in Waco, I, I don't think losing all three of these games was, would have been that shocking at the start of this trip. Right. But you look at the other part of it, and it's, it's, it's the performances and just where this team is at and, and kind of losses that begin to look alike. Um, they, they fell behind again early yesterday. They fought back, and they've had these stretches in games where, where they figure it out, and you see what this team has and the depth they have and what happens when, when Isaac Likely is, is getting this team in transition and Bryce Williams is knocking down shots. Bryce Thompson had one of his better games last night. You can see all the pieces there, and, it, and they can put it together for a five, six-minute stretch, and that's when they can erase a lead in the snap of a finger and and get back into a game, but but those stretches don't last. And, and that was the case last night. Um, I think it was 19 to 8 at one point. They cut it to 21-21. And then at halftime, it's 42-27 because they gave up a 21 to 6 run to close the half. And the second half got no better. So it's 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 seeing these little glimpses of this team, but them not being able to to keep it there. Um, and and both Isaac Likely and Mike Boynton said it's you know it's not the physical. I mean, this week I'm sure they're tired, but Texas Tech is playing three games this week as well, but it's the mental, and it's, it's just something with, with this group right now that they've got to figure out. And yeah. It doesn't get any easier going to Waco to, to try to do that, and it doesn't really get easier in the, the Big 12, like you said. I mean, this is shaping up to be probably far and away the most competitive and deep conference. And, um, you know, if, if as we said kind of off camera, you lose in, at, at Baylor, you come home for kind of a gut check game at, at home against a relative soft opponent in this conference in TCU. and and if, if the Cowboys can't take that one, they fall below 500 and you don't know if they're going to get back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, the, the mental aspect of this is real. It is, it is a chore to do what Oklahoma State has been asked to do this week. I, I understand that. Um, there's the, there's the, the obvious the issue of not having an NCAA tournament to play for or any postseason whatsoever to play for, looking more and more likely. Uh, that's a problem because that's what these guys live for. That's what college basketball lives for. But you, there's also the sense of good basketball, and Oklahoma State just isn't playing good basketball. 
Uh, that's that's the issue, and I the I I don't and I don't see any signs even that's that you know the throw in the towel and that I don't see bot, bad body language. I don't see uh, woe is me necessarily. I just don't see good basketball, and and that I think is something that that Mike Boynton would 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 take full responsibility for at this stage. I think so, and I, I think that's sort of what is left for them to figure out. There is no NCAA tournament to play for, no Big Twelve. Uh, tournament to play for and they've talked about the regular season championship being the right right looking more and more dicey with each each game that passes i I do think there's still something to be had here in this season with this group i mean they're they're immensely talented you can go one through ten one through eleven in this rotation and you you look at guys who are immensely talented they're deep but they just haven't been able to put together a a string of not even performances but halves or, or or you know stretches of 10 minutes where they look like they're at their highest of their, of their potential. And, and until then, it's, it's probably going to look a lot like games last night. So we'll see how the Cowboys respond in, uh, in Waco this weekend and certainly uh, keep a very close eye on what they do when they finally uh, return home for TCU Wednesday, 7 o'clock, right, is the uh, home tip next week? Uh, yep. Does sound right? Okay, we'll go with 7 o'clock. <laughs> um, maybe – be alive when we meet again. We'll have a defensive coordinator to uh, to to review. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to spec. Like I would always. You would think that come the third week in January that would be the case, but I've I've learned not to speculate at this point on things like this. Yeah, Mike Gundy does things differently, uh, and this goes for a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of his job, and that includes uh, hiring practices. All right, man. Good to see you again. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the weekend, and uh, you can catch Eli and me again next week via video, via podcast, however you want to consume the content. We will give it to you at the Tulsa World.